Chapter Thirteen of A Book of English Martyrs. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. A Book of English Martyrs by E. M. Wilmot Buxton. Chapter Thirteen. Philip, Earl of Arundel, Gloria et honore eum coronasti domine in memoria eterna erit justus fifteen eighty four to fifteen ninety five inscription in the beauchamp tower another victim of the armada fury in england stands a little outside the ranks of those whose story we have just told he held the position to begin with a first peer in england and cousin to the queen and though condemned to die for his faith on the usual charge of high treason he actually gave up his life after eleven years of captivity in prison though not without a strong suspicion of having been poisoned upon the staircase leading to his cell in the beauchamp tower may still be seen the inscription cut by him in an effort to relieve the monotony of those long and weary days in the original latin it runs thus secut peccata causa vincere opprobrium est ita e contra pro christo custodiae vincula sustinere maxima gloria est ambro arundale sixteen of may fifteen eighty seven to be bound on account of sin is a disgrace but to sustain the bonds of prison for christ's sake is the greatest glory these words tell more completely than any others the story of this young nobleman who at the age of twenty-seven disappeared from the gay world of london behind the gloomy walls of the tower fifteen eighty five till a year or two earlier philip howard earl of arundale and surrey had been one of the wildest and most extravagant of courtiers and in high favour with elizabeth in spite of the fact that his unfortunate father had been executed by her for planning a marriage with mary queen of scots but at that time philip had been but a lad of fifteen on his way to the university of cambridge and when some two years later he made his appearance at the court his handsome face and debonair manners so attracted the notice of the queen that she exercised all her influence to keep him by her side and away from the child wife of his own age whom he had married some six years earlier but the favour of elizabeth was notoriously fickle possibly too his position as possible heir to the throne made her uneasy men who had once been only too ready to win a glance from her now looked askance and no hindrance was put in philip's way when he retired from a court that had turned him the cold shoulder to his wife and household at arundel his renewed affection for his wife he had neglected gave elizabeth a chance of showing her spite towards him in a characteristic manner she could not touch him for his faith for the easy-going young courtier who cared little enough in those days for the things of god had readily enough conformed to the protestant religion but his wife who had lately become a staunch catholic 
was presented for recusancy as it was termed and condemned to be confined for twelve months in the house of the protestant sir thomas shirley this was not enough however for the queen was determined as she expressed it to lay her hand on arundale's collar and the opportunity soon came in the year fifteen eighty one philip had been present in the tower when two holy young priests bore witness to their faith before a representative body of protestant ministers armed with books of controversy as he looked at the spiritual face of blessed edmund campion worn with the agony of the rack and at his dislocated hand and arm which he could not even lift as he heard his beautiful voice thrill with conviction and joy of the faith in face of a terrible death god touched his heart and gave him the grace of conversion for two years he struggled in vain against a step that assuredly meant worldly ruin if no worse but in fifteen eighty three as he paced the long gallery of arundale castle the conflict ended in victory and the young earl determined to be reconciled to the church at the first opportunity for this however he had to wait many a year his first intention was to leave his own land and go to flanders where he and his family could practice their religion and freedom but he was now closely watched and not only was his secretary whom he had sent to prepare for their journey arrested and closely questioned as to his faith but the queen herself visited the earl at arundale house in the strand and in return for his princely hospitality bade him remain a prisoner in his own domain nothing however could be actually proved against philip at this time though the very clear intimidation of what was in store for him after his reception into the church might well have frightened a weaker catechumen from making his profession of faith being received in the next year by the jesuit father weston he immediately became one of the most earnest of converts and he who had once found his delight in the frivolity of a court now discovered it in the joy of communion with his lord at the daily mass which with great humility and reverence he himself many times would serve reconciliation to the church the hearing of mass the harboring of a jesuit priest were crimes enough to condemn any man in those days and the earl soon decided that his only chance of life and liberty lay in carrying out his plan of voluntary exile into which his wife and the child soon to be born were shortly to follow him in a letter written to the queen he explains his reasons and how he was come to the point in which he must consent either to the certain destruction of his body or the manifest endangering of his soul he trusted therefore that if to escape such evils he should leave the realm without license the queen would not visit him with her displeasure embarking from the nearest port probably somewhere about little hampton philip howard set out little thinking that every movement of his had been reported to the queen by spies and that she had allowed him to proceed so far that 
she might the more surely entrap him before he was out of sight of land he was pursued and captured and thrown into the tower there for a year he lay unnoticed but it was difficult even now to formulate a definite charge of treason against him but at the end of that time he was accused of having sought to leave the kingdom without a license and of having correspondence with cardinal allen to these the earl replied that as to the first he was justified by necessity because the laws of the country did not permit him to worship god according to his conscience and that his correspondence with allen was not on matters of state but of religion he was notwithstanding condemned to pay a fine of ten thousand pounds and to be imprisoned during her majesty's pleasure close confinement in the tower was now his lot grief indeed he must have felt at the separation from his wife and the child whose face he was never to look upon bodily pain too he suffered for the harsh treatment he received changed him from a gallant young courtier to an invalid old before his time but his soul was free and happy enough for he had ample leisure to pray and meditate and fortitude sufficient to take these trials as a penance for his years of indifference and sin the year fifteen eighty seven after two years had thus passed bears witness upon the walls of his prison to his devotion to the faith quanto plus afflictionis pro christo in hoc saeculo tanto plus gloria cum christo in futuro arundel june twenty second fifteen eighty seven the more affliction we endure for christ in this world the more glory we shall obtain with christ in the next the next year saw the attempt of philip of spain to invade england and marked a crisis in the story of the imprisoned earl at the beginning of that year his close confinement had been so far relaxed that he was allowed to converse with an old priest named william bennett and two laymen sir thomas gerard father of the jesuit and mr shelley all imprisoned for their faith to these four captives presently came a rumour that the armada had sailed for england and that on its arrival all catholic prisoners would be promptly put to death a suggestion made by philip that they should join in a common form of prayer against this fate was rejected almost immediately lest it should be misrepresented by those outside but the harm was already done prison walls have ears and when presently the earl was again placed in solitary confinement the three other prisoners were threatened with torture unless they would bear witness against him the answer of sir thomas gerard one who had borne much persecution for the faith was fatal to the earl for he declared that the latter had proposed a prayer of twenty-four hours duration for the success of the spaniards possibly he said it from weakness and hope of release for there seems to have been little enough truth in it anyhow it proved the ruin of his own soul for he became an apostate from the faith and lived an evil life till about a year before his death 
on this evidence philip howard was found guilty of high treason and condemned to die possibly however the queen had reason to dread a public outcry if this noble victim of hers was brought on so slender a charge to the scaffold possibly his delicacy of health suggested that he would save her further trouble by dying quietly in prison within a few months that however was not to be for six more years philip remained in the tower adding to the rigors of his imprisonment by his own austerities and expecting that every day might be his last his letters to his wife breathe a truly wonderful spirit of peace and resignation to the will of god and his whole time was spent in making preparation for the hour of death in the august of fifteen ninety five being seized with a fatal sickness that showed many symptoms of poison he once more earnestly entreated the queen to let him say farewell in person to his wife and his young son the mocking answer was returned that if the earl would but once go to the protestant service his request should not only be granted but he should be restored to her favour and to all his former estates and honours to this the dying man listened very patiently returning answer that he declined to accept her majesty's favours on this condition and that his chief sorrow was that he had but one life to lose in so good a cause after a night spent in constant prayer he died at noon of sunday october nineteenth fifteen ninety five in a most sweet manner without any sign of grief or moan only turning his head a little aside as one falling into a pleasing sleep he surrendered his happy soul into the hands of almighty god who to his so great glory had created it his body put hastily away in his father's dishonoured grave within the tower was brought by his widow nearly thirty years later to his family seat at arundale in sussex where it lies in a vault beneath the collegiate chapel which forms part of the parish church a part of the inscription on the coffin runs thus on account of his profession of the catholic faith he was first imprisoned then condemned to pay a fine of ten thousand pounds and at length was most unjustly sentenced to death under elizabeth after a life of ten years and six months very holily and piously spent to the severest bondage in the same tower on the nineteenth of october fifteen ninety five he fell asleep in the lord not without a suspicion that his death was caused by poison a finer epitaph is that traced by some unknown prisoner in the tower immediately below his inscription gloria et honore eum coronasti domine in memoria eterna erit justus thou o lord hast crowned him with glory and honour the just shall be had in everlasting remembrance end of chapter thirteen recording by john brandon